0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my co-host Leif Tuleen, we are going to share some of our 2023 NBA Draft Night hot takes and predictions. So stay tuned, you do not want to miss this episode. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, director of scouting for NBA Big Board. Let me say that again. The director of scouting for NBA Big Board. It sounds like I just kind of rushed through it. And I am the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host today is Leif Tuling, the man that watches more college basketball than anyone else. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. All right, Leaf. First of all, last time we spoke, you were a little bit under the weather. You, you feeling better? I'm significantly better. That was
1: that was the start of the upturn when we did the little stream for Bleacher Report and i'm now I'm now kicking. I played basketball for the first time since then. Didn't play great, but uh, but it was nice to be up and moving and and not be coughing and not able to talk. So I'm doing better.
0: I'm jealous. I wish I could find some time to play basketball.
1: I played so badly. like it was it was beyond embarrassing. I mean, was it fives, three on three? It, it, it was fives. I was making turnovers I haven't made since I've been seven years old. i I, I don't think I hit a three. I missed like layups. It, it was, it was bad, but, but I, I know I can play better. I'll, I'll put it
0: that way. What about your Euro step floater? You didn't go to that. I, I that? hit a
1: few floaters. The floaters the one thing that never goes away.
0: I, I got to get, a, we, we got to run it back either at summer league or the combine next year. I promise to, uh to be in better shape. Anyway, you guys don't want to hear us talk about, basketball at least our plan basketball you're locked on nba big board because you want to hear about players in this upcoming draft we are just a few days away from the 2023 nba draft i booked my ticket to new york i'm still waiting on the credential so nba if you're listening um it's, it's getting late i mean i booked my ticket so if I, if I don't get a credential, I guess I'm just going to to be there and uh, I'll just figure it out. But um, I'm going to New York. I'm taking the wife and my son and my niece is coming along. So it's kind of turning into like a little mini family trip. All right, let's talk about some hot takes. And I know Leaf is known for having hot takes. Well, at least last year you had some hot takes. This year might be a little bit different. I'll let you go first. What is your biggest hot take or prediction for the NBA draft or this draft class? It could even be about draft night. I'll,
1: I'll go with one. I haven't said yet uh, publicly, but my board reflects it. I've got Cam Whitmore as my number four prospect above both the Thompson twins. And uh, I I've had Whitmore five for the majority of the year. So it's not like it's an enormous leap, Mm -hmm. But if you were to look at boards all year long and they basically reflected the same top four all year, and it was in some variation, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amin Thompson. So Amin Thompson is outside of my top four. Cam Whitmore has entered it. And so that's where I'd say it's a hot take, just considering the vast majority of the process for 12 months. This was uh, a no brainer. And now it is, I've got it outside, I think. Last year, my most incendiary take is when uh, Jabari Smith was projected to go number one, I had him in number four. So I don't think it's quite on the same level, but it's a similar take of someone that's projected highly all year outside of the the trio of big names.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people clown me because I factor in fit. I mean, I do factor in best player available, but I like to factor in fit. And I think if you're Houston and you bring James Harden back, I mean, you have to take Cam Whitmore. I just do not like the combination of James Harden running the point for Houston with Amon or Soar Thompson coming off the bench or just sharing the floor with him. So I agree. I mean, to me, it's not that much of a hot take. It's definitely against the consensus. But like I said, if I'm Houston and I have the fourth pick, and I'm bringing Harden back, or at least I feel comfortable with Harden coming back. Then I'm definitely, definitely, without even a doubt, taking taking a uh, Cam Whitmore number four. All right, here's one of my hot takes, and this is more so like a long term hot take. But either Wimbayama, Scoot Henderson, or Brandon Miller, one of those three, maybe even two of those three, I'm, I'm coming out swinging with this one, will not be a multi time All Star sounds crazy but if you go down history when is the last time the first second and third pick all became all-stars
1: I think I've got I've got an answer for you that that people won't like if Greg Oden had stayed healthy all three would have been in in 07 like Durant and Horford have been numerous times all-stars apiece
0: but, yeah, but if we go with the ifs, then you know what uh, I mean. But like, that's
1: still that's still two or three. That still cal- uh, calculates the the. Uh, um, yeah,
0: I think sixteen, with with was that Simmons, Brandon
1: Ingram, Jalen Brown.
0: That that was like a, a really good yeah. class. I think eventually, 19,
1: Zion and Jaw.
0: Yeah, um, R.J. Barrett has a chance to maybe one day make an all-star. Yeah. So I mean that's three right there. I mean you think about 14, we thought oh Jabari and Wiggins was going to be yeah. Joel and
1: Joel and Wiggins get, get two of the three, but
0: yeah, but Wiggins got like one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it, it, multi-time
0: it's a... all-stars, it's is is going to be tough. So that is like my hot take. I'm not saying which one, I don't know which one is, is not or, or which two is not going to make it, but just historically, and I know people are just thinking all three are going to be all-stars, but historically, it just doesn't happen much. I mean, there are some major, major misses. It's either like, it's almost like one year you get a guy that like pops and is like a multi-time all-star, then you get a guy that may flame out. Like, I'm thinking like Derrick Williams, I'm thinking Hashim Tabit um was was Wiseman a second pick yeah he was he still has time but I mean just historically so all right what is your next hot take or prediction
1: I'll stay with the hot takes side but this one for those who have followed me is nothing new but I'll I'll just say it more verbosely here Uh, I don't think Grady Dick should be a lottery pick okay and uh explain why Okay, I think Grady Dick's value is something that is valued and is coveted in today's NBA of being a shooter, a floor spacer. I think people overestimate his size, which makes him like, oh, man, an enormous floor spacer. I think he's a two guard more than a three. So he is big for a two guard, but that's just that's just not that big of a player. Um, I think in the NBA, when you're drafting to win, which is when you draft for fit, which is what Grady Dick would be better and being a franchise cornerstone. You need to have players that play both ends of the basketball. And what I mean by that is, I think Grady Dick's ceiling outcome is something close to Kevin Herter. And Kevin Herter wasn't on the floor in the playoffs. Kevin Herter has added to his game to become a guy who can dribble, who can score, and he can snipe. He came out of Maryland as the 17th pick in what I thought was a decent but unspectacular draft. And I thought he had better film then did Grady Dick in terms of what their roles are going to be in the NBA. Like his movement shooting was better as a player for the Maryland Terrapins than is Grady Dick's Grady Dick came out younger, was on a better team. So you may not get the same volume of that type of shot, but he's a standstill shooter with athleticism that I think is more for show in terms of like new numerical stats, like 34 inch vertical sounds good. But I watched Kansas play about 25 times this year. And I think defensively he was the worst player on the team in a college basketball thing. I think he was a player that benefited from playing with a team that had just won the championship the year prior. And they had players that returned knew how to play. He got good looks and last, but certainly not least. If I'm drafting for the lottery, I tend to, there's a reason you're in the lottery. You want to take someone who can transcend your franchise. I rarely want to pick on a, pick a player that is, has one side of potential. And his side of potential, I think, is is more limited than people believe.
0: That is a hot take. And it's all valid points. Even if you, like, totally, totally disagree with Leaf, you have to respect the fact that the points that he made was valid. Is he a bigger version of Ben McLemore? You know, I like to try to be creative here and not, you know, cross-racial preferences. (laughs) Do you think he's like a bigger version of Ben McLemore?
1: in what he turns out to be, I think you easily could. I, I think remembering what Macklemore was, he projected to be a better athlete with with more ball in hand skills. Was he that in the NBA? No. But but like you don't know what's coming. So I think I think that's a role that he could easily have. And I'm not saying he's gonna be a total bust. I just don't think he's worthy of a lottery pick. Like I think this is a fairly deep draft and may not have the star power where Grady Dick probably ends up getting picked at like twelve or or if he goes higher than that. Um, but but I just don't think he's going to return lottery value, nor should he be picked there. But my philosophy may differ from other people's because I tend to prioritize upside over over fit. And like I mentioned, I think fit is an overrated thing when your fit is shooting, and most of these teams need two-way players that are, would be picking for fit.
0: Yeah, I talked to a guy for a team, and he was like, you know, we need – what every team needs except maybe like Toronto but we need wing defenders to you know to really be competitive but he was like the problem is you can find plenty of wings in this draft but either they can't shoot and they can defend or they can defend and they can't shoot and some of some teams just don't have the time to wait like 2 to 3 years for their good defender to to end up becoming a reliable shooter. And it, it could be like whether it's pressure on the coach or pressure on the general manager. And I was talking to somebody today, and it was like, there's a few GMs they have to hit. They have to, like, have a successful draft. Do you think Kevin Herter is a lottery pick in a 2018 redraft?
1: Yes, but not confidently. Okay. Uh, that that That's a pretty good draft as well. Um, so like it, it, it. it's it's top heavy. I'd have Aiden. to pull up the entire draft, but but I based off what I remember, I would say he's probably
0: tail end of the lottery. So it's Aiden Bagley, mm-hmm. Luca, Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, Colin Sexton, Kevin Knox, Mikael Bridges, Gilgis Alexander, Miles Bridges, Jerome Robinson. <laughs> michael porter jr so those are the lottery uh
1: and then there's brunson brunson's in this draft uh and there's robert williams Williams. uh so so right right, by that count he's the 10th best player maybe 11
0: but there's mitchell robinson and gary trent jr jared vanderbilt bruce brown
1: I'd still I'd still still take his body of work over Vanderbilt Brown's interesting because of the role he played on the championship team but I, it, there's a lot of higher like recency to that so I'd say probably 12th pick in that
0: yeah so he's yeah and <clears throat> I th-
1: and I think that's an optimistic outcome for Grady Dick like so that that's the point it's like this is a good draft and he's and I heard her scored like 17 a game this year and he's still the 12th pick like what I'm saying is that what he brings to the table isn't as valuable as what some of these other players bring. And so in a draft that I consider to be fairly deep in this like this year's cycle, and I could be wrong in time, but like that's the expectation I have, I don't think that's the craziest thing. It just sounds bold because he's largely projected to be top 10 or top 12.
0: And that's why you listen to the Locked On NBA Big World podcast. We do not go with the consensus. We speak our mind. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. But I think we're right a lot of the times. All right. When we return, we'll get more hot takes and predictions, but let's talk about game time. Game time is the app where you can buy tickets for your favorite events, and you do not have to be stressed out because it is fast and it is easy. It is the easiest way for you to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry about stressing over tickets, and you can start getting hyped. For all the fun that you will have, again, flash deals on last minute tickets. Tickets are easy to find and buy from multiple events. You get images of the seats, and they have the lowest price guarantee. They have an event cancellation protection and even job loss protection. So you can forget all the planning way in advance. You can just go to game time, and you can get deals on the last minute tickets up to the day of the event. And the events are football, basketball, baseball. They have concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and the same row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are, 110% of the difference. Again, you get the images of the seat before you buy, so you know exactly where you're sitting. And the tickets come to your phone in a matter of seconds, just a couple of taps, and they're right at your phone, so you don't got to go through your email all you have to do, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed, Game time. Locked On LOCKEDONNBA's mock draft special is here, and it is bigger than ever. So follow the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. All the episodes are available now on Locked On NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. I was on the front desk. Leaf contributed. I think you did every other pick. Richard Stamen did the picks that Leafs didn't do. It was fun. It was fun recording it. It took a long time to record it, but it was great listening to all the different Locked On hosts and their their thoughts. I mean, they had some t- crazy trades, some I agree with, some I didn't agree with, but it, it, was, it was a fun experience. And David Locke put on a show on the Locked On NBA mock draft. Who, who did he end up with? I can't remember now. Uh, Case and Wallace and Keontae George, I think. Two Dallas guys that were born a day apart. All right, let's get back into hot takes and draft predictions. All right, I got one. This is not necessarily a hot take, but it's more so of a prediction that, I mean, I feel very confident in. But the Indiana Pacers have four of the top 30 picks, and they are not bringing four rookies into camp. I think they're going to consolidate picks and make a trade for a young wing on a rookie deal. I think they're going after Jonathan Kaminga. Now, whether that means they got to give up Miles Turner, I mean, to me, that's the only thing that makes sense is Miles Turner. I don't think the Warriors would want Duarte or Buddy Hill or anything like that. But that's just my prediction. What are your thoughts on the Pacers' moves? That that or what are the, what do you think the Pacers are going to do on draft day?
1: I, I think it's highly unlikely they they bring in four or rookies to minicamp. Um, the Kuminga thing I'm thinking about. I think Kuminga is likely to be moved, and I think the Pacers, the Jazz, a few of these teams that are young, not quite true playoff contenders, but have franchise. May I would say the Magic, but it's just too redundant in terms of um in terms of positions, but teams that have good players on their roster that aren't ready to truly contend, but would like to have an infusion of talent like Kuminga could provide, I think likely are the suitors. And I think the the Warriors are trying to get value for Kuminga because they, he's not in their long-term plans right now is basically what I, what I'm reading between the tea leaves. So for the Pacers, I think it's likely they make a move. Kuminga is an interesting one for me because I think he does his best work like if he hits his ceiling, he does his best work with the ball, but Tyrese Halliburton, because if he doesn't hit his absolute ceiling, Kuminga, this is, uh, will likely have to be off the ball and be set up. And someone who can take advantage of his athleticism and some of his unique gifts would be Halliburton. So I think that's an interesting pairing. And I'd like to see that be a potential trade. I think from, as a perspective, as, as a jazz fan, I'd be intrigued by if the jazz could give up 16 and 28 for Kuminga or something like that. But I do think he's on the move and, and one of these teams with multiple picks and a kind of a young foundation that's starting to be put in place are, are the people to watch out for.
0: Yeah, I think the Jazz would definitely kick the tires on it. I mean, they're a team that has three picks also, or they have multiple first-round picks. But I just don't get it from the Warriors' perspective. I think the Warriors would want like someone that is established and that can provide some depth on the front line. I'm sure you would love to trade Kaminga for Azabuki. But... You don't even need to get me started on that, man.
1: <laughs> uh, that, that that still hurts my heart. Um, I've got I got a bold bold take It's somewhere. It's it's similar teams with multiple picks. I think the Jazz, the Thunder, the Magic. Some of these type of teams with mo- the Thunder only have one in the first round, but they have so many picks in in years uh, to come, and they're like building the Pacers, those type of teams. I think you're going to see teams like that trade up with their second and third picks and try to trade up and consolidate those, you know, second and third picks for the jazz example, 16 and 28, uh, trying to move up to 12 per se. And because they don't want to roster three rookies right away. And they think that the value is better by moving up and getting a pick um, rather than bringing in three rosters into mini camp. And and maybe for the magic, it would look like six and 11 to get up to top three and try maybe have a chance at Scoot Henderson and have a guy, that can have the point guard or for the pacers maybe you look at those latter late late picks and and move up and see if a guy like Leonard Miller Noah Clowney falls um so I I think teams with multiple picks are going to look to consolidate those multiple picks into a into a moving up as and be aggressive and forward forward thinking rather than thinking down the line which is typically what you associate with teams with a lot of picks
0: yeah, so I thought about that. I, I do think Jazz moving from moving sixteen and twenty eight to get into the back end of the lottery is very realistic. I I'd say Toronto would be the most likely of the trade partners. Yeah, especially if they're they're going on a rebuild themselves. I don't think it makes sense for Portland because if they are going to keep Dame, then they're going to trade for veteran help. So I can't see them trading back to take two more rookies. That was the only one with multiple picks I didn't think made sense. Even Houston. I mean, Houston Mm -hmm. doesn't have, well, they do have multiple picks. Yeah, they got four and 20. 20. I I think they're going to dump 20. I don't Mm -hmm. don't think they want to bring any more guys. I mean, someone told me today that they feel like Rafael Stone is not necessarily on the hot seat, but he's 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 gotta have a big draft. I mean, they've had three years of the worst record in franchise history. And this is, you know, they have to show like major progression this year. I mean, I think the expectations are gonna be higher with Ime as the coach, but they gotta win 30 to 35 games. And, you know, it, it just depends on what happens with the whole James Harden situation. So it's um I think it's going to be a crazy night full of, full of trades. Another team. Well, you think Washington would be interested in that?
1: That is an intriguing one. I I think if I were Washington with Beal on the move out, I might consider moving up and trying to get a guy who could be a franchise altering talent, like try to move up. I, I think, the, the the way I should have phrased this is that I think a lot of teams with multiple picks are going to try to be aggressive. And and sometimes teams with multiple picks uh, like sit on their laurels, you know, consolidate those assets because they're in a long-term building process. I think the teams this year are going to be aggressive and try to fast forward the rebuilding process, but I don't think it's necessarily taking a shortcut. I think this is being aggressive and forward thinking is actually really intelligent. Like I talked on, on locked on jazz about this is, is how, the Jazz move up because they like someone at 12 or 13, and they go up 16 and 28, and they don't roster three, they roster two, and they can now have a they have a better chance to me of having an A plus graded draft is the way I phrased it. Uh if they take someone at nine and twelve they really like, then they do at nine, sixteen, and twenty-eight. When sixteen and twenty-eight, they're slim pickings for who they want to take.
0: Yeah, I, I would say Bali at nine, Keontae George at two at 13 with the Raptors with the Raptors all right and this kind of goes into what I was saying and it's another prediction that I have Nick Smith falls outside of the lottery I think Koulibaly on the rise and I think Nick Smith is the person that falls out and maybe even Kobe Bufkin could, could sneak into that back end range and so I think Nick Smith falls outside of the lottery, but I do not see him getting past the Lakers at 17. What are your thoughts on that? I see you kind of smiling and smirking. Yeah, I, I,
1: I had a one that was similar to that. It was that if Bilal moves up into the top 10 and maybe a player like Lively, who commonly was mocked outside, is now a guy I think goes 10 or 12, Mavericks or Thunder, then who falls? And that's kind of what I, what I was breaking out. I think it's either Buffkin sneaks in the back end and that pushes Nick Smith out, and Jalen Sh- Hood Shafino are kind of the two that bounce out there, or Nick Smith stays in and goes to like the Pelicans because they they can swing, they can afford to swing on upside. And then you see Hood Shafino and Buffkin fall out. So I, I think we're on the same vein there. And then the, the question really is to me is Koulibaly a top 10 guy and then what players that we have mocked as top 10 slip out like does case and wallace now not make as much sense if he goes to a landing spot that typically would have suited case and wallace does he start to slide because now some of these teams like the magic at 11 they probably have addressed that some of their needs at, at six or the thunder at 12 don't need case and wallace 13 there's a lot of people who like the ball in their hands with the raptors so I wonder if Case and Wallace is another candidate to slide. So I think we're on the same train. It's just like, it's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle.
0: Yep. All right. What's your next hot take or prediction?
1: Um, I think that you're going to have a few players that are gems hiding and in playing sight. Everyone's going to say retrospectively like, oh, like how do we miss on him that are going to go just outside the lottery? And then redrafts are going to be taken in the lottery. What I mean by this is, Kari Easton is one last year that when he was drafted, I was like, man, I, I don't know why produ- productivity wise, and and it, I feel very confidently that right away he'll be picked in the lottery and redrafts, and I, and we did a redraft a while ago, and he was in my top ten. So I think the guys that fit that description are Noah Clowney and Leonard Miller, a couple of guys that I think likely are are more likely to go fourteen through twenty two than mm-hmm. they are to go inside the lottery. but I think are more likely to have productive. Statistically, at least, careers both early on and often throughout their careers, just because they're good at a lot of things and they fit the modern mold of basketball.
0: I that makes a lot of sense. All right, when we return, we'll round out this last few predictions or hot takes. Stay tuned. I don't know. All right, last segment. I'm going to start it off here, and. You know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the big one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that for last. And this one, we just kind of talked about. I think it's gonna happen. I, I don't want to like toot my own horn here, but I feel like I've been saying this for a while, and now all of a sudden, people are kind of following on. But the Mavericks are gonna select Derek Lively at number ten. Makes the most sense. I know Richard Statement absolutely hates it, but the Mavericks are going to select Lively at ten. That is a, a bold prediction. The Mavericks are looking for wing help and rim protection and rebounding. Lively doesn't provide help on the wing, but he provides rim protection and rebounding. Dwight Powell was their starting center last season. He averaged like 4.3 rebounds per game. Based off of the way their roster was at the end of the season, Kyrie was their second leading rebounder at five a game. And Luka led the team in rebounding. I think the Mavericks only had one seven-footer on the roster, maybe only four guys over like 6'10 or something like that. So they are going to have to address their need for size, unless there's like a deal with Capella or Okongwu or something like that. But even if it's Capella or Okongwu, if it's Capella, you got to pay him that money. If it's he's I think he'd have a great year in Dallas. Now all of a sudden he becomes like expensive lively on a rookie deal so that is my prediction that Derek Lively will be in Dallas
1: I like it I I was not anti lively to Dallas or OKC when we talked about this a month ago now at the combine crazy to think it's been that long but I remember the very first day I was there we were talking about what are some landing spots for a guy that we think's moving up and lively to Dallas was one you pointed out and I thought that OKC would be another one that are both lottery picks. Um, So I like that one. I I don't have a necessarily a a bold like player to this destination one, but I've got one that I think is interesting to think about in terms of like the jigsaw puzzle of like, what could happen should someone rise or should someone fall? So I said that I think Cam Whitmore is number four on my board. And I think he may be the favorite at the Rockets at four. Should Amen Thompson not go four, like everyone's projected, or in the top four, like everyone's projected forever, and then he falls to five, and the f- fifth pick, they already have a bunch of guards, and Amen Thompson's not at four. Does he go six to Orlando? Like, is that the favorite spot for Amen Thompson? Is now, I guess, my I wouldn't say bold claim, but I'm wondering if Orlando picking Amen Thompson is now something that's likely that I would have never thought possible when the lottery came out.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I just don't like that fit. A team that desperately needs shooting. Adds, but they also
1: need a a guy to be the facilitator.
0: Yeah. And, I, I mean, know. it's like you get into a, a sticky situation because – and I and I know it doesn't happen often, but I think in a fair, like, training camp, like, what, what, do you, what do you do with Amon and Markel Foltz and Cole Anthony and, and Jalen Suggs? You give up on Suggs already? Oh. And even if he doesn't go there, I mean, I've seen Asur mocked there. Often. Well,
1: yeah, you, you you could further this point and say, okay, let's say Osar goes there. Or, or maybe Taylor Hendricks goes there because he fits the fits the best. Or, cause, yeah. or maybe it's Jairus Walker. But all these, you can make a point of redundancy. So how far do the Thompson Twins slip? If almond doesn't go for Cause I think that begins this like landslide of where fit actually matters. Whereas typically I'm totally best player available, but like the Pistons make absolutely zero sense at five at six, you can make there. There's, there's ways it can work, but there are issues seven. They've got Tyrese Halliburton and Nemhard, and they've got Benedict Matherin number eight. Like that makes sense. I think the end of the slide would be eight. But now you've got too many players for too few slots so i i think that could be something that would be very fun to track and i think it'll likely be the kind of the talk of draft night once we get to that range of the draft
0: yep i think it's going to be a lot a lot of trades and i'm going to lump two in since we're, we're we're running out of time here i think that if brandon miller goes number two scoot henderson is going to portland that pick will be immediately traded And I also think that Bradley Bill will be moved on draft night and it is going to be a complete rebuild for the Washington Wizards. I don't know what they can get for Bill just because his salary is so massive and you'd have to, I mean, if you're a team getting Bill, you probably got to gut your roster (laughs) and your future. But I think that Bradley Bill will be moved. I don't know if it's to Portland, but I think Bill will be moved and Dame stays and Scoot Henderson will go to a team where he will have the keys to their franchise. I'll let you wrap it up with this one. Unless you, you have some thoughts on that.
1: I, I'll I'll think about that one because I think that's a good that's a good one to talk about because what we're trying to do when we talk about the draft is find talent. And Scoot Henderson was by no means like a hidden, hidden talent. Like he was that dude. But I think the important thing you mentioned is even if he goes number three, which I I still have my reservations about believing that he's going to go three. I still think he's the second best player in the draft class. And I think that some team might trade up to two because the Hornets already have a point guard. That said, the, the, the key of drafting is finding someone for these bad teams that are at the top of the lottery, to find someone to like replenish their franchise and build around. So I think that's the big key is, is if Scoot Henderson goes to the Blazers, he's not going to the Blazers. Like he's going to go somewhere else. So I agree with that take. Um, and, and I wonder about some of the teams like you hear Zion Williamson being tossed around or maybe Scoot goes to new Orleans and he wouldn't necessarily have the keys to the franchise. Cause they're still Ingram, but that would be unbelievably intriguing to me because I think he could really open up a lot of possibilities. But I also almost hope that Scoot Henderson really does go to a barren cabinet and gets to shine as the star as opposed to someone who's tasked with fitting in. So I'm, I won't say like I like have a spot in mind, but I, I really am curious and kind of hopeful that Scoot Henderson gets to be the star somewhere because I really think he's got true star power. And I, I don't typically say that. Like Rafael and I've talked for a year and a half plus on this, and I didn't say that about anyone other than Palo Bancaro last year. I said, Chet's got a chance, but I think he needs another person. I mean, this year, when Yama is still, like, he's not going to have the ball in his hands all the time because he's center so stupid.
0: He's been bringing the ball up court. He might be a a a secondary ball handler, man. (laughs) There's a chance, but Scoot's got a chance to be the
1: guy with the ball in his hands for a franchise for 10, 15 years, and I really want to see him have that chance to flourish.
0: Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if – is Vic plays some three and he's like making plays. I mean, I did you see the play today where he like brought the ball up the court, passed it, and then caught a backwards lob. And then there was I, a play that went viral last week where the guy was like trying to be aggressive and getting all in his space. That was ridiculously
1: and, good defense too. Like like I yeah. know he was in the highlight, but that was great defense. And when Banyama still made it look like pedestrian at seven foot five.
0: Yep. All right. Your
1: last prediction. Uh, I think my last prediction, it will be that there's going to be three teams that make a trade in the lottery. Three teams. All right. Three teams
0: in the top 14.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't want to pick which teams I think we've talked about some of the candidates and some, maybe, maybe a team that's from outside the lottery trades into the lottery and I still will count that. But if you look at previous drafts, that, that's pretty rare. And I think this year a lot of teams aren't satisfied with their pick, and they have more ambition than a lot of lottery teams typically do in terms of contending in the short term, which I think accelerates trade talk. So I, I'll go with three teams in the lottery make trades.
0: I think so too. It's crazy because you hear about how strong of a class it is, but if it's a strong class, why are teams in the top five, four of the top five teams interested in po? Both- possibly trading their picks well that wraps up this episode of the locked on nba big board podcast me and leaf we shared some of our hot takes and predictions for i guess you could say for next season the nba draft and the draft night stay tuned next week is draft week next week is draft week it's like we've been talking about these guys since august it is finally here i'm looking forward to it like i said i'll be in new york And I have some stuff. I have some 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 interesting uh, podcast coming up next week. Right. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow, Leaf Tuline, and we are out.